Welcome to the Connect Extension podcast brought to you by the Extension Foundation. The Extension Foundation was formed in 2006 by Extension directors and administrators. Today, the Foundation partners with Cooperative Extension through liaison roles and a formal plan of work with the Extension Committee on Organization and Policy to increase system capacity while providing programmatic services and helping Extension programs scale and investigate new methods and models for implementing programs. The Foundation provides professional development to cooperative extension professionals and offers exclusive services to its members. This podcast is supported in part by New Technologies for Ag Extension, grant number 2020-41595-30123 from the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. Communities throughout the nation have been greatly affected by the opioid epidemic. It was deemed a public health emergency nationwide in October 2017. Since many factors contribute to this crisis, addressing it requires solutions involving every level. Cooperative Extension has collaborated at the local, state, and federal level to help communities address this critical issue. The opioid epidemic has heavily impacted Southwest Virginia. The town of Martinsville has one of the nation's highest rates of opioid prescription and addiction. In this episode, we'll hear from a team of extension professionals and health partners who formed an opioid epidemic response group to address the epidemic in this community. Emily Zimmerman and Carlin Raffi from Virginia Tech and a community health partner, Don Moser, from the Engaging Martinsville Community Academic Research Team talk to us about their methods, outcomes, and successes in this project. Engaging Martinsville is a two-year action planning project that involves community partners and stakeholders using the stakeholder engagement in question development and prioritization method, also known as a SEED method. The SEED method is a multi-stakeholder approach to engaging communities in research, problem solving, and action planning. This team story highlights extension at its best, listening, connecting, and responding to a community's needs and equipping them to move forward in a healthier, safer, and more involved way. You'll hear from the team how they came together to form the group, the implementation process of the SEED method, and how the community responded. They also speak to the impact, the successes and lessons learned, and the outcomes of their efforts to curb this extremely high opioid prescription and overdose rates. The team shares the most outstanding moments from the project, what they gained from being a part of it, and takeaways from working in this community. You'll hear the team feels personal, pride and fulfillment from seeing individuals become empowered to make true change in their communities. There is much to be gained and learned from this team, and I'm so glad I got to learn more about their impactful work and what they did for this community. Hi, everybody. Thank you guys so much for being here today. I am so excited to hear more about your project and all the work that you've been up to. So to get started, if you guys could just introduce yourselves, your name, where you're from, and your project role. I guess I'll start. I'm Carlin Raffi, and I am an assistant professor and an extension specialist at Virginia Tech in Virginia. And my background really is in um, health and nutrition. But I've gotten involved in work with community engagement, and that's how I've become involved in this project. 
Hi, Melanie. My name is Emily Zimmerman. I'm an associate professor at Virginia Commonwealth University and the director for community engaged research at VCU's Center on Society and Health. I am a sociologist and public health researcher. And I'm Dawn Reed, and I'm the community researcher uh, working with Virginia Tech. And my background is in healthcare for the past 28 years <clears throat> in uh, acute healthcare. And uh, I have worked on previous uh, projects with the seed method um, through Virginia Tech uh, on um, lung cancer research and now with the opioid uh, research. So firstly, can you give us a little background um, and context, if you can just tell us a little bit more about the community of Martinsville? Uh, yes, Melanie, I'd love to share. Uh, Martinsville is a rural, independent city that's uh, set in the foothills of Virginia's Blue Ridge Mountains with a population of about 13,000. And then it's surrounded by Henry County with a population of about 51,000. So Martinsville and Henry County, uh, was once uh, the nylon, textile, sweatshirt, and furniture capital uh, back in the 80s, and also known for the Martinsville Speedway, NASCAR, for NASCAR racing. Um, Martinsville City is now focusing on transformational strategies organized around economic vitality, design and promotion, and organization to include community engagement. Um, these initiatives include small business development, um, and historical preservation in the city of Martinsville um, on the important sites there located in the city and an emphasis on local, local artisans, which is an initiative that they've been um, working on in the city here for the last couple of years. Um, Henry County has many initiatives where they're trying to um, increase in, in, in the industry there in the county and city. So it's a, a very... Uh, nice quaint town that um, has had in its uh, past days uh, a booming uh, economy and has certainly undergone some struggles with um, losing those industries. And so, um, yeah, it's a great community. Okay, so you guys all come from different backgrounds. So how did you come together to form this group and how has it been working together on this project? Well, I can, I can probably uh, address that, Melanie. Um, I originally got to know Don in Martinsville when I was in a different position at the Virginia Commonwealth University Massey Cancer Center. And we had gone to that community and several communities in Southern Virginia to do a resource and needs assessment related to cancer. And uh, I met Don at that time and she was the project coordinator for that area in Martinsville for the cancer, that cancer needs assessment. So that was my, I think our inter initial introduction to each other and uh, we worked real well together to accomplish that project. Uh, and then um, Emily uh, had a project related to the seed method, which is the method we used for what we have accomplished in the Martinsville Henry County area. And she approached Massey Cancer Center to actually uh, use the seed method in one of our community sites uh, to help develop the method. And so that's how I got to know Emily. So uh, Massey accepted that offer of Emily's and we thought that the Martinsville Henry County area would be a wonderful 
area, rural area to test the seed method in because through our cancer needs assessment, we had discovered that they had a significant lung cancer outcome uh, dis uh, disparity. And so we thought the method could be applied there around that issue. And so that's how the three of us came together originally with in Martinsville working with SEED. Then when I came to Virginia Tech, I brought that project with me and that's where we, from there, we've moved on to use the method with the opioid issue. Great, we are really seeing more and more now the valuable partnerships between public health and extension. And this is such an example of that. So you all have mentioned the seed method a few times. So if you can just explain to us what the seed method is and why did you choose to use it for this community project? Yeah, let me tell you a little bit about the seed method. So the seed method was developed as a way to do community engaged research with a variety of stakeholders. Uh, it was originally developed uh, to work specifically with patients, uh, but also with community members and all types of stakeholders that could be uh, family members, community residents, policymakers, service providers, uh, really depending on the issue that's being uh, addressed or, or researched, you know, who should be involved. And a large part of it is really making sure that as many of those key stakeholders are involved as possible and really being intentional, intentional about trying to uh, identify, you know, who should be involved. If we're going to research or try to address a problem in a community or with a specific population, you know, who's the most impacted? Uh, are there groups of people who uh, aren't often asked for their views and really have important lived experience to contribute? And so we're really trying to make sure that we engage with all of those stakeholders in trying to address an issue. And one of the ways we do that is by creating different opportunities for those stakeholders to engage. Uh, so what we call this is a multi-level process. So we may have a group that's leading this project that's really intensively engaged. And we try to make that a group that involves perhaps both researchers or cooperative extension professionals and some of those stakeholders with lived experience and some of those folks who are serving the community, uh, they, they can work pretty intensively over a longer period of time trying to get this work done and bringing together other stakeholders and disseminating the, the results. Uh, but then what we also try to do is kind of bring together some of those targeted groups of stakeholders with lived experience and professional experience and uh, they don't need to be involved for quite as long, but I think what makes part of this special is that they really get to drive the process. And we call those topic groups, and we may bring together several of those topic groups. And we provide a systematic process that they can follow. So that's one of the other things that we think is special about the seed method is that, you know, instead of bringing together a whole bunch of folks to just talk about the issue and maybe come up with some ideas, but not being sure what to do next. Uh, it's really kind of a programmed process or a structured process, uh, which leads them through a bunch of steps, which may be really helpful in helping them kind of identify their needs and priorities and thinking about what do they want to do about it and working together and working with the community to come up with strategies and action plans 
and to implement those. So interestingly, the seed method was originally developed uh, with the idea of developing uh, stakeholder-driven research questions or research agendas. So you know, what do patients, caregivers, service providers, health systems, you know, what do they think should be uh, researched or studied in, around a particular issue? Uh, but when we started the work in Martinsville <clears throat> around opioids, we realized that, you know, a lot of folks, a lot of community members, they really want to see action in the shorter term and then in the longer term, and they want to be involved in that action. So we sort of evolved the process to be more focused on uh, strategy and action development and prioritization and also um, action planning and implementation. Got it. So as you're implementing the seed method and introducing the community to the work that you're going to be doing, can you kind of tell us about what the community's reaction to all of this was? I would like to say that um, I think we were very pleasantly um, surprised at how they embraced us in the community. Um, there were many very good initiatives already being addressed. And um, from the initiation of the project, it was important for us to include all stakeholders, including those who were already working on the opioid crisis. Um, and also those who had been impacted either personally or through a friend or family member. Um, so we wanted to make sure that Engaging Martinsville was not duplicating any current initiatives and to increase the validity of the project and to expand resources and initiatives. So it was really important for us to, um, to again, prove our validity of, of the project um, but we had also worked with some stakeholders on previous, um, on the previous research uh, method. Sorry, um, I goofed that up. Um, on the previous research project. So they had seen our presence in the community, but um, we were very pleased at how well the other stakeholders that were already in the community working on these initiatives. Um, accepted the seed method and were actually very uh, excited to learn more about uh, research. And Melanie, you know, I think I can kind of um, tag team with Don about that. Um, of course, Don is from the community, uh, being the project coordinator right in there, and, and it was so wonderful to have her there uh, because she's uh, she's part of the community and really has the pulse of the community as well. Um, but um, I think in terms of the community accepting us for this particular project that we did, uh, because we had done the original project with the lung cancer and developing a lung cancer research agenda, and then as Emily mentioned, adapted the seed method to respond to what we felt from the community in terms of them wanting to take action beyond just developing uh, uh, a research agenda that was relevant to them. Um, we came, they actually came to us and asked Don, you've applied this method for the lung cancer research. Now we recognize we have this problem in the community with opioids, which was a significant problem there. How about you take this method and apply it now to the opioid issue? Help us apply that to the opioid issue. 
And then when we that was came out of the if you and Don, you correct me if I'm wrong, but that came from the opioid task force that the community had already developed. So they were already taking action, trying to respond to what was a significant health issue for them. And because we had been in the community and, and they trusted us and had seen what had happened with the other work we had done, uh, they approached Don and said, can we apply this to this new problem? And that really was significant, that it came from them. They requested that we come in and, and just not, not do anything for them, but just set a process through which they themselves could more effectively respond to the respond to the problem in the community. I'll just add one thing. It was a really important moment in this project. We had been working with the stakeholders for quite a while, and they came up with some really interesting strategies for how to address the opioid issue in their community. They uh, willowed those down to their, their top strategies, and we had this, this great list of uh, 15 different ideas that they prioritized for things that they could do in their community. But for the first time, what we decided to do was to take those ideas that came from these groups of stakeholders we'd been working closely with and then hand those over to the rest of the community, invite people who hadn't been involved in the process before, share with them what had come out of the process and the project and ask them, can you buy into these ideas? Which ones do you think are the most important? And can you commit to supporting those ideas going forward? And again, this was the first time we had done this. And you know, it could have dropped <laughs> like a stone and people could have said, yeah, that's interesting, but we have other things to do. But instead, uh, the community rallied around the results of this project and the, the ideas that these stakeholders had come up with, and they did prioritize uh, four of those ideas and develop work groups, community work groups, to actually work toward achieving those goals. And you know, it could have gone another way, uh, but with the community support and really hard work, uh, there was a lot of success came out of that. So you guys have spoken that there's been many community initiatives and a lot of people involved on trying to tackle this huge issue and find solutions. Um, so I just want to hear, what do you think about your approach made a difference in terms of the project success? Yeah, I would like to add a little to that. Um, <clears throat> Emily talked about the seed method, and I think the, one of the important factors of the approach and the success of the project is based on the structured process. Um, and, and the reason I emphasize that is because we have often heard from other projects that some people, the same people may be on the same committees and we show up for a meeting. Um, and the seed method is a structured systematic process where it creates a small, diverse and inclusive research team, but then it expands to much larger community um, to include uh, focus groups, interviews, um, each scheduled meeting in the research team and the topic groups had a purpose. They had a structured agenda. 
Um, and it resulted in progress every meeting. And we accomplished the task that was set for that meeting. And so I think that the approach is what is very important to stay very focused on those strategies and the agenda items so that you are accomplishing something each meeting so that you can have a productive and um, have um, an outcome each meeting so that you're prepared to disseminate that information to the research team or to the topic groups. So I think that's a really important part of this project. Now, one example of an agenda for one of those meetings is a process that we call participatory conceptual modeling. And so we've brought these uh, folks together from the community to work together and we teach them how to create these conceptual models. When you think of a conceptual model, it's like a, a cause and effect model that we ask them to think about the factors that affect the outcome they're interested in. So in this case, it could be uh, opioid um, overdose in the community, right? And so we're asking them to think about all the things that may contribute uh, to this issue and to think widely in terms of not just, you know, healthcare factors or um, personal issues, but also environmental conditions and interpersonal issues and things like public policy and systems. And they, and, and as they're thinking broadly about all of these factors, they're kind of sharing a lot of information about what they know. This is an opportunity for them to really uh, share their, their lived experience and to put it together into this framework. And then what they're doing is they're creating these ideas that, well, perhaps this one thing affects this other thing. So they're creating these causal chains that they believe impact the outcome. And so this process is really one of, one, as I mentioned, sharing their knowledge, uh, but also discovering, discovering new connections between things that they might not have thought about before, or thinking about things that, you know, they think this might be important, but maybe they need to learn more about it. Or sometimes they're thinking, well, if, if these two factors are related, maybe there's an opportunity for us to intervene and make improvements uh, in this relationship. And so this is one example of you know, how we let the stakeholders lead the process through their lived experience uh, by sharing their ideas and by exploring and coming up with new ways of looking at the issue. Wow, yeah. So what you've done is equip this community to solve much larger issues and grow beyond just the opioid addiction solution. But I would like to hear, do you have any impacts you can share on what the project has had on substance and opioid misuse? And then largely, what changes did you see in the community as a result of your project? Well, I, I'll mention a couple of things, and then I think Don will probably have more personal perspective on that. Um, I was um, so pleasantly surprised about the impact this project had. Uh, I think going into it, I was not expecting to see the kinds of actions that would be implemented based on what we had done. And uh, one, um, and there were, there were several of them, and I'll let Don kind of talk about some of those, but uh, one that 
that um, one reason for that happening came out in an evaluation we did and we got people together to talk about, you know, what was going on in the project. And the one thing that came out of that evaluation was that the process itself allowed the community and the organizations in the community to break down their silos and begin working together um, on projects. And, you, and we'll talk about what specifically those were, but, but this was a, a, I think from our evaluation, the community felt that this was an effect of the seed method itself and the approach to engaging everybody kind of on an equal footing and making sure that broad-based stakeholders were involved and each had voice and decision-making power uh, in the process. And so it allowed them to begin to trust one another, depend on one another, and break down silos to begin to really work together on projects they had wanted to accomplish for many years and had been unable to do so. And so I'll stop with that and then see if maybe someone else would like to speak to someone else. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, there's a couple of layers to this. Um, first, I think the project taught many of the participants more about research, which is really important. Um, but it also let them know that their voice is important uh, when discussing community initiatives. Um, it initiated interest from participants uh, to understand their community more and to assist with finding ways to uh, to assist in important issues when it's impacting their community. So for instance, you know, they're being heard maybe for the first time on a very important topic. But from the seed method itself, uh, we, uh, the Engage in Martinsville project produced 46 actions. And these were substantial actions and we knew that it would not be possible for us to address each of those issues. So we went through a, a very structured process to go through those actions and to vote with all the stakeholders. As Emily had mentioned, we had a community meeting with all of the topic group members. We had uh, focus group members who had attended uh, a focus group in the past and the researchers. Um, and <clears throat> we looked at those 46 projects and actions and we, looked, whittled it down by a voting process and came up with four specific actions that we would work on the next year. And uh, one was to initiate a drug court. Uh, the second one was to um, open a detox facility. Uh, third was raising public awareness. And then the fourth one was education to parents and children. And you can here that of course starting a drug court and opening a detox center is um, is quite a, a feat to uh, try to accomplish. The drug court was initiated actually in the past um, four months and so Martinsville and Henry County does now have an active drug court which we're extremely proud of. The detox facility although not because it was not um, a lot of work that was put into this is 
not going to happen maybe as soon as we would like. But as a result of this group, they were able to collaborate across health systems that haven't in the past worked together. And offering emergency services locally for people that are in crisis situations. So the detox uh, facility is definitely still uh, in the plans for the future, but they didn't just stop and say, well, we can't open a detox. They, they started looking at other strategic initiatives that would assist with those crisis situations in the meantime. Uh, with raising public awareness, we were able to create a video with um, services provided in the community. And a lot of the comments that were coming from that video were, wow, I didn't realize that Martinsville Henry County had that many services available. Because, you know, unless you need a service, you, you typically don't know um, until you start looking and you're in need. And a lot of times that's in a crisis situation. So creating that awareness and to, to bring together the stakeholders that are providing these services was really important as well. And then education to parents and children. So we did have a uh, implemented an educational program for parents and children in the local schools, and that's been very successful as well. So we have been very pleased with the outcome of and the results of the engaging Martinsville. Um, but again, there are other actions that can be taken and, and worked on um, through com community initiatives. Yeah, so related to that, I would love if you guys could share what are the most outstanding moments related to this project? What went particularly well or anything notable that you would like to share? Well, I don't want to steal Dawn's thunder because I think she was intimately involved with the work group that was trying to put the drug courts together. But I know that before our project even started, we had heard that they had tried to get a drug court together and it just was not happening. It was not going to happen. And, um, but when this was chosen as one of the four things they wanted to work on for a year, uh, they got, they got a, the key stakeholders together that needed to make decisions about that and began working really diligently. So that's the police and the judicial system and the probation officers and the behavioral health uh, organization. They all have to come together to work to make a, a drug court work, right? And it's a process. You've got to apply to the Supreme Court of the state. They've got to accept your application. You know, you've got to figure out how you're going to fund the activities. of the decision. It's not a simple process, and that's why they hadn't been able to do it before. And then as soon as they seemed to get things rolling, COVID hit. And so all those interpersonal meetings that we were having and they were having to try to get together, make this happen, all of a sudden you thought, oh, there's no way this is going to happen, right? Now this just throws, throws a wrench in it. There's no way. But they kept at it. That team kept at it, kept meeting virtually, and began to make progress. And then they got, I think, uh, I don't know exactly the order of things, but they got a key judge to, to come on board and say, I'm for this, which is what they needed, right? And then the county and the city decide they want to not, they don't want to be separate anymore. They want to unite, which is through another wrench in the whole process. But 
they just kept at it. They just hammered that thing and <laughs> they submitted the application. They got it accepted and they started the court in February. Was it February this year, Don? They, and it took from the start, it was going to be a one-year process. It took them two years, but they got it done. That, to me, that is one of the, that is one of the really things that I'm proud of just, and it had nothing to do with me or anything I ever did, but just to watch this group of people from the community so determined and work through adversity and finally get this started, which they really need. And I'm hoping it's going to make the difference in lives of people in that community for years to come. Yeah, and I'd like to expand a little on that. We had a community advocate, uh, Jim Tobin, and he had been working on the drug court for quite some time and had, I would say, probably 80% of the application complete when we started this project. And again, that application is the, um, the, the standard for your program, basically. And so once we were able to get the stakeholders together, um, and started to meet with the Commonwealth attorney, the chief of police, uh, probation. We were able to then get Judge Greer, um, our uh, leader at the end. He was the one that really pushed through and, and, and made sure that we had the application submitted. And, um, and so our goal was to have five applicants in the first year, just as a initial start. And we currently now have four participants in the program. So I would emphasize that there was a lot of work that had taken place. And I think engaging Marksville, the seed method just helped to just really bring it together and, and push it across the line. But it could not have happened without the community efforts um, because I didn't uh, submit the application. You know, we as Engaging Martinsville, we attended these meetings, we supported and we provided any kind of support that we could, but it really was the stakeholders that had boots on the ground that were getting the work done. I would add that as a community engaged researcher, it's really great to see through a project like this, the changes in the people who participate to see people develop new skills, new interests, self-confidence, connections. It's always surprising and gratifying to hear from people when they decided on a new career and gotten a new job or decided to go back to school or you know, whatever, whatever it might've been for them. Um, that's always, a really, really great part of this kind of work. But I would also add that as a researcher, this project in particular affected me a lot because I've been a researcher for a long time. And for most of that time, you know, the end product is a report or an article. Mm -hmm. And you don't know if anybody's going to read it. You don't know if it's going to have an impact. And you, you know, you put a lot of hard work into it and you move on to the next thing and it, it's you know sometimes it's just a big question mark for you as, as as a professional and coming out of a project like this with such tangible results uh it really affected me a lot uh to see that i could be part of a process like that 
So after this very successful, impactful experience, what are some lessons that were learned from this project that can help inform other communities trying to address the opioid issue? I'll start. And uh, my first suggestion would be for other communities to, to review the list of actions that Engaging Martinsville created through the process to assist community members with ideas that um, have not been discussed in their area. Um, so while the seed method is a perfect uh, tool, some people may not have that time. And why reinvent the wheel when we've been through this very um, collaborative process? And um, I, would, I would suggest they take a look at the actions created um, and then integrate it with their work plan and, and, and consider using the seed method for their own community. Um, highly suggest um, involving all stakeholders, including those personally affected by drugs, because I think sometimes we forget the audience in which we're trying to serve. And that was a very important perspective that we received um, during the topic groups and, and the focus groups. Um, I would use the seed method to address specific needs in the community. This is not just specifically for opioids. It could be used for any issue that the community may be um, facing. And so I would, um, that would be my first suggestion is, you know, share the information, um, the actions and the ideas. And if they have some stakeholders already working towards this initiative, uh, integrate some of those actions and or um, use the seed method within their community. Well, that's great, Dawn. I would add to that too, in terms of when you have an issue like opioids, there are so many systems involved that need to come together to address that. You know, there's law enforcement and criminal justice and social services and education and then there's people with needs related to, you know, basic needs like housing and food and all of the people who are directly impacted. And so you really benefit from opportunities to learn from all of those folks and provide an opportunity for them to work together, to collaborate, you know, to, to share resources and um, find some common goals. And so I think trying to break down barriers in the community that you know maybe maybe preventing that kind of work is really important. And I think the seed method is really just you know providing some of those tools. I mean community engagement and community engaged research are both hard work. you know you've got to build trust. You've got to provide transparency. Uh, you've got to um, respect the expertise of all of the people around the table. There are so many things that go into it that having a set of tools uh, takes at least uh, some of that burden off so that uh, as you address all of those issues and as you bring people together, you can do some work intentionally uh, to try to get things done. And I would just build upon what Emily just said. She used the word trust. Um, that was another thing that really um, surprised me as an important outcome of people getting engaged with this process. 
was that the, the theme of trust came up again and again, that the process allowed us to trust each other. So trust within the community, trust between the community and academic partners that are coming from outside of the community. So my recommendation would be to take time to build trust. And there are certain processes you can use for that. And I think one really, really important one is um, to make sure that everybody has a voice at the table and that everybody respects everybody's voice. And so establishing some of those processes that allow that so people can lower their guards and really learn to trust each other. And then another really important thing, particularly for the academic partner, is that you've got to be there. You've got to be there for the long term, right? Be there through the thick and the thin. Um, because it's easy to kind of withdraw. But by staying in the thick and the thin, uh, you build trust too. So that's what I would say. I would highlight the idea of building trust. Yeah, I agree. And, and one other thing I would like to mention is that this, this method, it removes bias. And it removes what we think the answer or the solution should be. And that allows us to collectively focus on the objective of the project and the audience. Because sometimes when people come together, they have their agenda. Um, and the SEED method really removes the bias from their previous experience or their objectives and, and creates a focus on the actual needs. And I think that has helped as well to, because a lot of us that are in these meetings um, or in these positions in the community, we're problem solvers. And, but this seed method helps to bring these problem solvers together, but to approach it in a different way that is not just, here's the answer and this is what we should do. Um, it's a, here are the needs. We're hearing from the community. We're actually hearing from people that are suffering from opioid abuse and substance use disorders. Um, we sometimes think we know what they need um, when we find out actually that 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 was not the case and and we actually find out what the needs are and then and focus on that. So I do think the um, seed method helps to remove, like we've said in the past, some of the silos of our objectives and and create a a solution that is um, focusing on the actual needs of the community and the needs of those who may be suffering with substance use disorder. Uh, I would I would concur with Emily. I mean, I don't I am a researcher, but I don't necessarily consider myself a researcher since I'm an extension specialist. I'm involved in a kind of applied research. And I would say of all the work I've ever done, again, this was the most satisfying because mm -hmm. um, one, the kind of relationships that we establish and still have with Don, with the whole Engaging Martinsville team, um, being, and again, being just a small part of the, helping them make, Change, significant 
changes in their community and just having so much success and seeing the resilience of the community. Really very, very satisfying. Um, yeah, oftentimes I think in extension, you know, right now the big thing is policy systems and environmental change. Oh my gosh, talk about policy systems and environmental change. <laughs> this, but, but it came from, not from the outside in, it came from the inside, right? It, the change came from within through a process. Uh, just very, very satisfying to be involved in something like that. I would agree. And personally, it has impacted me significantly. Um, I, it's taught me a great deal about research. I feel more immersed in community engagement. Um, and, it, and interestingly enough, I had um, decided to pursue my doctorate degree um, by working with such wonderful colleagues, um, you know, Dr. Raffi, Dr. Zimmerman, and Dr. Hargrove, which was one of our doctorate students that participated through this entire project, really inspired me to further my education. And I am currently working on my final research project. Um, and as I stated before, I've, I've been in healthcare my entire career. Um, and so my project is actually focusing on diversion of controlled substances in the healthcare setting which has become a pretty popular topic right now um, in the last year or so. And um, not um, as a project as a, um, we're gonna catch you, but um, a project of having safe controls of controlled substances like opioids and fentanyl so that we can help protect patients, but also community members that may be affected by this diversion. And then, you know, lastly, uh, helping to assist those clinicians that are suffering from drug addiction with um, opioids. So it has personally impacted me um, in a significant way these last three uh, years. So, and I cannot thank my colleagues enough for their inspiration and just um, teaching me more about higher education and about research. So for everyone listening that wants to utilize the seed method or learn more about it or apply it to their own opioid or any other issue in their community, where can they go? How can they get connected to you guys? Well, we have a couple of wonderful resources. So um, the seed method is a subgroup on Connect Extension. So on the eExtension Foundation's Connect website, you can join that subgroup and it, on, in the subgroup on that page, we have a lot of resources, uh, webinars, uh, trainings on how to do certain parts of the method and some other things. And then we've also developed through extension on the extension campus, we've developed a seed toolkit. And the toolkit actually is almost like, a, I guess you enroll, you go through a, a kind of a class of learning how to use the seed method. Um, I would encourage anybody who's interested in learning more or um, using the seed method to, to check out those two sites. But then also there's a, on the Connect extension, there's, if you would like technical assistance, we have a form you could fill out uh, just saying you'd like some technical assistance and Emily and I would be happy to connect with you 
and uh, help you use the seed method in your project. One thing that we're doing is there's a, there's a county that is contiguous to Martinsville and Henry County, Patchett County. And so that county, we've actually begun to engage with that community who has a similar opioid issue, and we're employing the, some of the seed method uh, processes within that community to help them um, begin to address the opioid issue in their own community. Yeah, so Carlin mentioned technical assistance, and we've been working on a project uh, that allows us to spend a couple of years providing technical assistance to communities or research teams that want to use the seed method. And so we have quite a few teams that we're working with right now. And we're also hoping that extension professionals who are interested, uh, who look at our materials on the subgroup, uh, who have uh, some community goals and, and want to do some collaborative work in their communities might uh, see the relevance and you know want to learn about you know whether the seed method or just some of the tools that are available in there might help them uh, with those with those goals and initiatives and then hopefully uh, we can help support that process. As McCarlin mentioned, um, Patrick County is part of the West Piedmont Health District, which is where Martinsville, Henry County, Patrick County, and Franklin County. And um, as part of the drug court initiative, we, we went ahead and added Patrick County to the application so that they would not have to go through that process if they, had, uh, if they so desire to join. And so the Martinsville, engaging Martinsville seed method and, and projects are flowing over into Patrick County as well. So we were able to have some foresight into joining other county, counties so that we can join forces together that serve in this West Piedmont Health District.